It's a great day to be Wisconsin proud. Welcome to Country Connection. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Wednesday, April 25th is Denim Day. Since its inception in 1996, at no time has there been as much attention on sexual assault as we've seen in the past six months. Joining us today is Dawn Helmert. She is organizer of Denim Day in Milwaukee. And you know, when we talked this time last year, could you have even imagined all of the media attention on sexual assault and harassment that we've been seeing since last fall. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been pretty amazing, all of the things that have transpired since last year. Um, I think it's pretty incredible that while the problem of sexual harassment and sexual assault has been around forever and ever and ever, that um, people are beginning to voice uh, their own stories and issues and concerns. Have Are you surprised the number of people, mostly women, but although some men as well, who have been empowered to call out so many men in power? I mean, look at the careers that have just been ruined. Matt Lauer, um, Charlie Rose, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey. I mean, the list can go on and on when it, not that many years ago, not that long ago, um, people, when they'd accuse people like a Bill Cosby, were dismissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I just want to, I want to be very clear about the people, the, the, the men whose lives have been ruined um, because of this issue. And just to say that the women whose lives have been ruined by the actions of these men, um, I think is really important distinction. Um, I, I am surprised um, not by how many people have come forward, but um, I think more surprised by the um, courage and um, forthrightness that the entertainment industry, specifically the women in the entertainment industry, um, have had to open the doors for um, other individuals to come forward with their stories as well. Well, what's interesting about that is so many people are now admitting it was an open secret for as long as anyone mm-hmm. can remember. But what, do you, what, in your opinion, made the difference? Why did attitudes change? Um, you know, I think sometimes uh, when uh, someone comes forward with a story and it resonates with a large majority and group of people and uh, those people feel compelled to come forward. One of the most frustrating things I think that I've heard over and over and over again um, from people is, well, why did it take them so long to come forward? This has been 20 years. This has been 30 years. Um, And what people don't, I think, realize is that this is such a power and control issue. And um, it, it can take a long time for people to understand and recognize that what happened to them was overt sexual harassment or sexual assault. Um, and being quiet is kind of a, um, a protective mechanism. So when somebody speaks out about their experience and 
the person sitting on the other end thinks, oh my gosh, that happened just like that to me. It's easier for them to come forward, I think. We're talking with Dawn Helmrich. She is the organizer of Denim Day in Milwaukee. We'll uh, let you know in a few minutes some of the activities, some of the observations that are going to be going on on Denim Day on Denim Day, but if you're just tuning in and you want to catch up on the conversation you missed, go to kticountry.com, click on the Features tab, and you'll find this and past Country Connection interviews. One of the most powerful things I think so many of us saw were the Olympic gymnasts in court as they faced the doctor who, under the guise of medical care, had molested what is it? It's now over 250 young girls uh, watching them and their anger, yet their strength in confronting him was truly moving. Yeah. Um, and being the mother of a competitive gy- gymnast for over nine years, um, it was it was very... Um, it hit me very personally. Oh, that must have sent um, chills down your it spine. It did send chills down my spine. And, and you know, I, I was angered um, a lot by the fact that the attention that it got um, was minimal in comparison to the attention that um, that Harvey Weinstein and the entertainment industry got in this area. I mean, when it when it was talked about, when it was can't when it did come forward, there was a lot of attention. But th- these trials have been going on for years and years and years, and this this issue has been going on for a very long time. Well, I think what's really disturbing is now it appears that people in charge may have known about it and deliberately kept it quiet and didn't allow charges to be pressed against this doctor. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm not really familiar with that aspect of it. Um, but I, I think that it's not um, unusual for people to have a bad feeling in the pit of their stomach, but not really want to um, recognize that it's happening. It's a visceral reaction for people. It was somebody they trusted, Mm -hmm. someone they were told was going to take care of them. How does someone who's gone through that heal? I think that this is such a difficult question to answer because every person who has had a traumatic experience around sexual violence processes and goes through their journey in their own way. I do think that there is power in the numbers of individuals that were able to share their stories together. I do think that people are incredibly resilient and that if the numbers are correct, and I think they're pretty low, if one in three women are assaulted in their lifetime, that we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are walking around um, that have uh, have resiliency skills and they have jobs and they have families and they have children um, and they go to work every day and people may never ever know um, what trauma they have faced in their life. So I think we do a disservice by not understanding that um, there's lots of people that choose not to share their story and are strong and confident and resilient and courageous. Don, how does Denim Day support and empower victims to either face their accusers or to at least 
know that they are supported. Yeah, and I think that's really the biggest piece of Denim Day is to help people understand that whether they choose to face their accusers or whether they choose to remain silent, that um, there's an acknowledgement that sexual violence, sexual assault, sexual harm exists, um, and that uh, we really strive to eradicate the idea of victim blaming, um, placing that <clears throat> notion that somebody who was assaulted had to have done something wrong for that to occur and to help people to understand that it's, it's never their fault. It's always the fault of the perpetrator. You mentioned victim blaming, and that's probably been one of the worst situations for anyone who has ever suffered um, and been a victim. There's intentional and unintentional victim blaming that happens. People have a curiosity when someone discloses that something happened to them and their immediate reaction is, you know, well, what were you wearing or what neighborhood were you in or why didn't you fight or why didn't you run away before acknowledging that something really horrible happened to this person and telling them, I believe you. I'm sorry this happened to you. Is there anything that I can do to help? Good friends and family members tend to walk down the road of victim blaming. So I, I would say to anyone who is listening to this, if someone tells you that something really traumatic happened in their life, take a pause, recognize and acknowledge they told you and you should feel really lucky about that. Let's talk about Denim Day. What's going on in Milwaukee this year? We are encouraging our faith-based community along with our campuses, our middle schools, our high schools, boys and men. Um, uh, and, and the smaller business community and larger business community, but really our faith-based communities to um, get engaged, um, to talk about Denim Day, to encourage uh, their congregations to get involved in some way, um, to put things in their bulletin board or to, to their bulletins and to um, talk about it during sermons and to acknowledge the existence of it. Um, churches and congregations are oftentimes a, a safe place for people and the opportunity for those churches to be able to um, acknowledge that it exists and give people a feeling of support, I think, is a really incredible way to honor Denim Day this year. And I know you've also already heard from a lot of the pastors, a lot of the churches, that they are quite enthusiastic about supporting Denim Day. Yes, um, they are. Um, and uh, Bishop Harvey is our co-chair for this year. Um, he's the bishop from Park Lawn, which is really exciting and, and thrilling. And he's really dedicated and committed along with the mayor. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be another really great way to spread awareness. And you mentioned the mayor. And yes. in, in downtown Milwaukee, there's going to be something really special to call attention to Denim Day. There is. Uh, this will be the second year that we'll be having a jeans di display between 3rd and Wisconsin. And then around the corner where the big orange sunburst is, um, there'll be jeans and, um, and banners uh, with different hashtags that uh, will help people to um, look up those hashtags and find out more about Denim Day and about supporting survivors and believing survivors. We're very excited about it. It got a lot of attention last year, and I think it'll get even more this year. And I know you're, you're really encouraging businesses to allow their employees to come to work, that 
in wearing jeans that day, even if they don't do it any other day of the year. And you've got some assistance for them out there if, if they want to organize in their own in their own organization or in their own business. Let's tell everybody about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a website, uh, www.denimdaymke.org, um, that has a toolkits page uh, where there are different toolkits for different um, businesses and for schools and for faith groups um, that give you all kinds of ways that you can get involved in Denim Day. Um, and we have businesses that don't allow their employees to ever wear jeans except for that one day a year. So um, if you're a business and you're hesitant, this is for a really good cause. Um, and it's even better when you uh, you don't get to wear jeans at work because you're wearing jeans for a purpose. And if you'd like information about Denim Day sent directly to your phone, text the keyword connection to 414-799-9494. Dawn, if there's somebody listening who has held this secret inside for many, many years. They haven't told anybody, or maybe they only told one or two people and they were dismissed. What advice do you have for them? I don't really have advice for them, but I, I can say this. Um, your, your story is your story. And how you choose to tell, and if you choose to tell, is completely up to you. No one can take that away from you. Um, oftentimes when it comes to sexual violence, so much has been taken away from us and, um, this belongs to you and, um, just know that you are surrounded by people who have, uh, experienced, um, trauma in their lives and we all support you, um, and believe you. And hopefully we have reached a turning point in our society where there won't be victim shaming and, where people, when they say, somebody did this to me, will be believed and not dismissed. And that is my, I mean, I've been doing this work for the past almost 25 years. And boy, if we could get to a place where um, there, where women and men and people who have experienced trauma in any gender identification um, are not shamed for that, I would, I, I would feel so blessed. John Helmrich, organizer of Denim Day in Milwaukee. Always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. And we're going to have links to everything you want to know about Denim Day at kticountry.com. Just click on the Features tab, look for connections, and share this interview with family and friends. Far too many women have been victims of domestic violence and sexual abuse. They need to be empowered and believed. When an individual experiences domestic abuse or sexual violence, healing can take a very long time. What transitional living arrangements are available for people on this journey? Joining us today is Nancy Major. She is the president and CEO of Daystar in Milwaukee. And Nancy, let's start out by, by telling everyone what Daystar is. Sure. Thank you so much for having me on your program today. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, Daystar is a transitional living, a safe haven, if you will, for women survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. They are typically fleeing that situation and have come to us either through Sojourner or other programs where women are in a short-term crisis shelter. Now, short-term crisis shelters, usually they can stay how long? I believe it's 60 to 90 days. So if the resolution of their living 
arrangements haven't been taken care of at the end of those 60 or 90 days, where would these women usually go? They would usually be homeless. Every single person we serve has been homeless and would face homelessness, most likely would be going back to a crisis shelter for a short stay if they weren't full. So tell me about the transition that they make as they come out of the crisis housing. They're referred typically by those organizations that are crisis shelters, or sometimes they're referred directly from the police departments. Um, Oftentimes they're facing uh, a fleeing situation. We currently have 30%, and this has typically been our history, 30% of the women that we serve have um, also been involved in fleeing another state, um, really trying to get away from an abuser. So in many of these cases, these women not only have been victims of domestic violence, in, in a lot of cases as well, sexual assault, but they are in fear of their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are in our safe, secure, stable, private facility to get away from that exact circumstance. Tell us a little bit about the women. There is so many unique circumstances that we deal with. There are women who have, through relationships, unhealthy relationships, a pattern, a lifetime of abuse, many of them coming from childhood sexual abuse, childhood violence, violence within their home setting. Up to 30% of the women that we've had, they are also coming with, unfortunately, backgrounds where they are coming from prison due to drug convictions, prostitution. Uh, Many of them have been forced into trafficking situations. We do have victims of human trafficking. There are many, as I said, who have grown up in that life. They don't know another way. And a crisis shelter is kind of a Band-Aid. And they have very comprehensive programs. It's wonderful resources for them. But what happens after that? We're talking with Nancy Major, who's the president and CEO of Daystar in Milwaukee. And if you're just tuning in and you want to catch up on the conversation you missed, go to kticountry.com, click on the Features tab, and you'll find this and past Country Connection interviews. How do you help a woman transition if that has been their entire life? Many of them need intensive therapeutic counseling. Um, That is something that we provide on a daily basis, as well as the peer support from other survivors. That's another huge component. Our workshops, our classes, and just the environment itself is a very calming uh, place to heal, to focus on the physical healing. As you mentioned, many of them do have physical issues that they are trying to heal from wounds, bruises, broken bones, uh, etc. But the biggest issue, as you did mention, was the emotional scarring, the trauma. So we really focus on trauma-informed practices, trauma-informed care, and the kind of therapy, the kind of case management is really, as I mentioned, comprehensive, where you're looking at unraveling really the whole center. You've got to get to the root of the issue. You can't just address it from a topical nature, which is the surface. Um, This goes way beyond that. And to do that, you have to establish a deep bond, a close relationship, a trusting bond. Many of these people have been bounced from 
place to place, from therapist to therapist, from, you know, counseling centers, etc., or have never talked to anyone ever. Um, they have been in hiding. They have been in the shadows. Most of the women that we're dealing with, especially those fleeing from immediate d- danger, have come from places of such deep wounding that to heal from that is going to take time. Some of the women that we have worked with, uh, in fact, several of them, have never driven, for example, don't have a driver's license, don't know how. Um, Some people are so fearful of the slightest thing. They get almost a sense of paranoia. We're making a phone call. Um, They're so lacking in self-confidence and self-esteem. It's not just simply handing someone a job and saying, here you go. Um, it's actually coaching them and working with them each step of the way. Okay, so if making a phone call is very intimidating and very difficult, we'll make it with you. We're right there with you. Let's do this together. Do these women realize that there is a better life outside of the one that they may have experienced for all of their being? For many of the women that we help, I think that that's exactly what Daystar provides, is really that light in a dark place. The opportunity to see something different, to be something different, to have something different. It's an extremely healing and therapeutic environment, again, where they're getting a chance to meet mentors, they're getting a chance to meet women who who are survivors. I myself am a survivor. How long can a woman stay at Daystar? For up to two years. We do have a a very high accountability factor. How do you mean? Um, Women are leased the space from us directly. So every 30 to 60 days, we're reviewing that with them, not as a barrier that they have to be panicked about. It is known um, upfront sort of what the structure is and what's required. Having women or anyone, in, in our view anyway, of just having a house or a room and board place isn't quite the same as helping them to actually follow through. What's a day like for a resident of Daystar? Typically, it does involve work. That is one of the requirements is that within a period of time, up to 90 days, um, they are looking for work. They are working with our case managers. So most every day, I would say it's, of course, all of the typical things you would expect or I would expect in our home life. It's showering getting ready for the day, making breakfast. Sometimes there are several women at a time sharing the kitchen and having that coffee time or having that opportunity to sort of wake up in the morning, uh, knowing that they're safe, knowing that they've been safe, they've slept well, they aren't outside in the cold or in the elements. Um, That's a huge factor if you're coming from homelessness. Having food. That's a big factor. And knowing that there are people who care about what's happening to you. Now, a lot of these ladies haven't had job skills that necessarily are transferable or that even they've ever been prepared to do anything. What what are they being trained to do as far as helping to support themselves down the road? I think the big thing, much again, like anyone, it's looking at what are their areas of interest? What's their aptitude? What are sort of the things that they're naturally inclined to do? Um, it's a, it's just a fact of life in today's world that the majority of us do need to earn 
a living. What, what, can you share maybe one or two uh, situations where a woman came and didn't know they had a skill that they were able to use? Working with children with disabilities, working in a hotel setting, working in a commercial cleaning industry, being able, computer skills might come very naturally where they've been using, let's say, um, different kinds of uh, computer technology on phones these days and all of that and not even realize that they have the talent to do something more. I have a lot of these women, though, because they've come from dysfunctional homes. Do they realize what basic life skills are? No, they really don't. What are some things you need to teach them? That you're not going to be screamed at, that you're not going to be told you're dumb and you're worthless and you have no value and I wish I had aborted you. Um, Different things that they've heard all of their lives that they can't do this, that they're too stupid. Um, When you're in an environment then that is so different than that, or you've been neglected, or someone hasn't uh, even talked to you or given you the time of day, to have a place and to have people around you that are asking you questions, that are getting to know you for you, um, building a sense of self-identity and self-confidence. Are the women at Daystar... Can they come and go as they please, or are, are they accountable in terms of if they are going out to look for work, they've got to report to someone? Because I would think just for their own safety, in some cases, you'd want to know where they are. Exactly. Again, to keep other residents safe and to help people, let's say, who are recovering from a drug addiction or alcoholism, to help them stay on that right track. And again, letting them know that someone cares there is someone there that's not going to beat them or scream at them or fight with them. It isn't about that. It's about a loving place that says, hey, we're worried about you. You need to check in just for our sake. We need to know. We care. You mentioned recovering addictions, people recovering from addictions. Do you have meetings at Daystar? Not specifically to address that. We don't have an alcohol and other drug abuse counselor. We partner with other organizations that do provide those services, and we help make sure that our clients are are addressing that need. How is Daystar funded? Daystar is funded primarily through private funding, but the city of Milwaukee, as well as a federal grant called VOCA, um, those are two of our major grant sources. We did just recently receive a $10,000 grant from the Catholic Community Foundation, which is a wonderful supporter, the Sisters of Mercy, who is actually the founding uh, partner of Daystar. They actually fund us uh, very kindly every year. And uh, I know that funding is always a challenge. And so private donations and fundraising, those are things that we need to do on a regular basis. I would think if you have a number of women all living in the same place, there are a lot of supplies that you need. Can you give us some ideas what they'd be and how, how listeners can maybe help you out? Absolutely. 
we have a tremendous need for dress for success kind of clothing, um, shoes, winter clothes, bedding, clean linens, clean towels, and new, sometimes some of the gently used items, household items, things, uh, cookware, and so forth. Many of these women will go on. That's, of course, the goal, that there are graduations that do occur every day because you have different time periods of different women coming in and those who are graduating. So many of them will need to set up their own facilities, their own housing. Um, the goal is independence in the future. So very many of them, um, transportation, gas cards, um, different gift certificates to different uh, necessities, being able to get to and from different appointments, um, that sort of thing would be very helpful. Do you need all sizes of clothing? Yes. Um, some women are very tiny and some women are larger. So everybody is different. So yes, all the different sizes of clothing are helpful and appreciated. And what about volunteer opportunities? Uh, are you looking for people who want to help others to be part of Daystar? Oh my gosh, we have extensive volunteer needs. We have a board of directors, for example. We have various committees, as I mentioned, fundraising and marketing, uh, making sure that people know that we're there, sharing our Facebook page, being a part of helping to post those things, working directly with the clients, um, and being able to help us maintain safety and security. And if you have special skill sets, I know that there, yours, many of your listeners are skilled um, at counseling and therapy and providing different kinds of workshops, healthy living, healthy relationships, those kinds of things, and even just being a peer, just being someone they can talk to, um, making sure that they know people are out there who care about them. Those are all just very basic needs. Nancy, if listeners want to get more information about Daystar, if they're interested in volunteer opportunities, if they've got some of those supplies that you talked about that the residents can use, how can they reach you? It's 414-385-0334. And our website, of course, is a great way to connect with us at daystarinc.org. And if you'd like that information about Daystar sent directly to your phone, text the keyword connection to 414-799-9494. And we're going to have links at kticountry.com. Just click on the Features tab, look for Connections, and share this interview with family and friends. And for Country Connection, I'm Libby Collins.